Did someone start clapping? <laughs> I can't stop you guys. This is amazing. You need to get out of your system. Uh, good to have you here today. And um, we're continuing our, our small group series called Remain in Christ. Um, I, uh, I was reading in the news this morning that 9,000 churches are slated to be closed in Canada in the next decade. Uh, some of you may have seen it on your news feed on your phone. 9,000 churches included in that, in that report. Uh, I think it looked like an Orthodox church with, you know, with the onion domes. Beautiful, beautiful building. But uh, in spite of all the protests, it was torn down. Now, what really is going on? What's going on in our country? Why are churches closing? Why aren't people on fire for God? Why is it that the United Church right now is closing approximately one church a week across Canada? It's actually quite shocking. Catholic Church seeing the same thing happening. Churches are closing everywhere. Even the PAOC, the growth rate within the PAOC, although it's not, uh, it's not declining like other churches are, its growth rate is still abysmal. It really... It, the growth rate of most churches sort of uh, mirrors the, the, the birth rate. So really, the growth that's happening is really by new birth. Um, there's a, 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 a real concern amongst Christian pollsters who, after they've done their surveys, they're finding that youth, youth are leaving the church in record numbers And regular attendance at church is now considered uh, two times a week. That's considered regular attendance. If you attend church, not two times a week, two times a month, pardon me. Two times a week is revival conditions. (laughs) Two times a month, and, you know, we're just on the verge of of closing shop. But that is considered the new regular attendance, two times a month. Why are churches closing? Why is Christianity losing its ground? These are a lot of questions for us to to answer this morning. But the good news is I've got answers to all of those questions, as I always do. When Jesse was born, Gloria and I were missionaries in, in Thessaloniki, and we were actually forced to leave the country because uh, because we were missionaries in an Orthodox country. And so what we had to do is we had to leave the country uh, every six months. And so we, uh, we had just met a friend uh, in, in Wales. Uh, some of you have heard me talk about him. His name is uh, Bruce, minister there. We, went, we decided to go visit him, and we went to Wales. And I was especially keen to know what was going on in Wales, and I'll tell you why. Because Wales, over the, over the last three, 400 years, has experienced a number of revivals. And in case you don't know what a revival is, a revival is just an outpouring of the Holy Spirit where many people are converted and many people are on fire for God. How many would love to see a revival in Canada? That was pretty tepid. How many would like to see <laughs> how many would like to see a revival in Canada? Yeah. Yeah, me too. There was a great revival in Wales in 1735 and and uh, that was part of what they call the Great Awakening. It's a, it was a Methodist revival. Uh, some of you have heard of Charles Wesley and John Wesley. They, 
went throughout the land preaching the gospel. Charles Wesley wrote over 5,000 hymns. Uh, John Wesley ministered to uh, millions over the time of his, uh, of his ministry. Great revival, many people saved. Uh, in 1859, Wales experienced another great revival. I think that they said there was at least 100,000 new converts. And then again in 1904, 1905, uh, once again, Wales had a great revival. 100, about 150,000 new converts, new believers. And Wales is a small country, so we're talking a huge percentage of the population coming to Christ and, and uh, turning their lives around. And, of course, that, that spawned uh, the growth of, of churches and the numbers of churches. If you go through Wales today, you'll find a chapel on every corner. It's absolutely amazing. And when Gloria and I were there, we were actually amazed at that, just how many beautiful old chapels they had there. Uh, what, was, what, was, what was even... Um, more surprising is the number of chapels now that are being used for other purposes. I think the saddest thing I saw was a, a beautiful old chapel was now turned into a bar for, uh, for the exact opposite of what it was intended for. Can I just tell you something today? Buildings are buildings. It doesn't matter. I mean, the beautiful buildings, it's a shame if they're not used for what they should be used for. But I'm going to tell you something that's, that's worse than the closing of a building. And that is... When Christians lose their fire for God, when Christians lose their passion for Christ, when Christians turn away from God, and that's really what has happened in Wales in great numbers. The places where there were great revivals and great miracles, uh, those places now are just stone cold. What's going on? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want you uh, to understand something today. Jesus declares that he is the vine and we are the branches. That's right. Tell the person beside you, you're a branch. Say with me, I am a branch. At least, at least that's what I'm supposed to be. Look at, uh, look, at, look at this beautiful picture here. See the lush vineyard here? Jesus says this is what our life is supposed to, this should be a metaphor for our life. Or I guess in this case a simile for our life. Look at these beautiful pictures. Look at that beautiful vineyard. You see it just groaning with fruit, beautiful, rich fruit. And if you get up close, you'll find that absolutely every single branch has fruit on it. Do you see that? There are no superfluous branches on a vine. Because superfluous branches, that is branches that don't have fruit on them, they, they sap life from the vine. They, they, take, they, they, they take life and energy away from the great work of producing fruit. Your job and my job, if we need to understand this, is to produce fruit. I want to talk about that in, in two weeks. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk about the gardener. Who's the gardener? God the Father is our gardener. That's right. And he's the one that helps us produce fruit. We're going to talk about the, the various kinds of fruit that God wants us to produce. But I want you to see today that you and I are branches. And the only way that you and I can produce fruit 
is if we are well connected to the vine. This vine has been carefully tended by the gardener so that there are no branches just doing nothing. If you want to kill a, a vine, if you want to, if you want to kill or, or, or reduce the fruitfulness of a vine, then, then you just leave the vine just to grow wild. You don't prune it. You don't cut off the extra branches. You just let it go. And the next thing you know, the whole thing dies. Now let the Spirit of God speak to you now. Because that's exactly what's happened in North America. Churches are closing everywhere. People's hearts are growing cold. Jesus, Jesus said this is exactly what would happen in the last days. He talked about, the, the, about an apostasy, a turning away from God. Jesus is saying, if you're going to be fruitful, if you're going to do great things for God, then you have to understand that as a branch... You need to be well connected to the vine. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's, we're tempted to think that the reason why the church is not thriving right now is because uh, of, a, of advancing secularism, aggressive secularism, that we live in a postmodern age, meaning post-Christian or post-church age. Some would think or be tempted to think that Satan right now is more powerful than God. Satan seems to be having his way and, uh, and God's losing the battle and so therefore we're losing the battle. Some people will say, well, you know, we're living in an age of increased education. People are becoming more educated and, and therefore they're able to see that Christianity is a myth and the stories of the scripture is a myth and so therefore... The church is dying. I'm going to tell you that all of these things are, are, are fallacies. I'm going to tell you this morning that the real problem is a branch problem. That's the problem. Because if you look at the history of our, of our world, and particularly over the last 2,000 years, you'll discover that nothing has changed. We can, we can come up with these fancy titles and fancy descriptions as to why we have problems in the world today and why the church is not thriving. You can talk, call it postmodernism. You can call it advancing aggressive secularism. But that's not the real problem. You could say, well, it's an increase in wickedness on the earth. And there is. But I'm going to tell you that there's always been... Uh, Wickedness has always, always had its way on this earth because we know who the God of this world is, right? So what's the problem? The problem is you and me. It's a branch problem. The problem is that we're not remaining in Christ. The problem is, is that we're not well connected to Christ. And last week we talked about the vine and how when we are connected to the vine, we produce fruit. And we answered the question, how do I remain in Christ? By having a daily walk with God. Remember we said that. And to have a daily walk with God means you're praying every day and you're reading your Bible every day. The branch is healthy and strong and producing fruit when it is connected to Jesus. You stop being fruitful and productive. You start to wither up. You start to die. You lose your fire. You lose your fervor. You lose your joy when you, start, when you, when you stop 
being connected to Christ and you start pursuing your own way. You think you're saying, man, I was so on fire for God when I became a Christian. Yeah, because you were connected to the vine. What happened to me? Well, you could blame other people. You can blame Satan. You can blame the systems of this world. You can blame the secularism and the philosophies of this world, but that's not the real problem. Jesus said this. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail will not be victorious against the church. So I can tell you right now, the churches, 9,000 churches that are about to close in Canada, folks, Jesus said that the, that the church would prevail and that, that hell, the gates of hell, that Satan would have no victory over the church. So what's the real problem? It's a branch problem is that we are not remaining in Christ. We're not staying well connected to Christ. Folks, this is precisely why we came up with the seven habits here, because we want to teach you how to remain in Christ. Every one of those habits, in case you don't know what it is, get a bookmark. Start reading it, start studying it, start living by it, because it's all about how to remain in Christ. The Bible is clear that... You and I are called to walk in the steps of Christ. And those habits are, only, are very simply, they're the habits of Jesus. It's how Jesus lived. And Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, then you must develop these disciplines. Remember, disciple and discipline have the same root word. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you have to have the disciplines of Christ. And that's what it's all about, having a daily walk with God. Remember, we talked about how Jesus, what he did, got up early in the morning, he went to a place to a secret place to pray, to meet with the Father. If Jesus has to meet with God, do you really think that you can get away without meeting with God and still still stay vibrant and alive and fruit-producing? There's an arrogance to that, isn't there? And so we are called to remain in Christ. Here's what Jesus says. Remain in me, remain in me, and I will remain in you. In you. Hey, I've, I hear people say this all the time. I don't know where God was. Where was God when I needed him? God was there. You weren't. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. I think we all know that. This is like, this is like, this is like child's, a child could understand this. Very simple. It's not hard to figure this out. And Jesus says, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So churches are going to keep on dying. Buildings will keep on being used for other things as long as you and I are not remaining in Christ. Very, very critical that we understand this. Because this is, this is how we get into trouble. This is how things, this is how the wheels come off the church. It's how wheels come off of our Christian life. I'm telling you today, the church cannot be fruitful if it is severed from the vine, and you and I cannot be productive if you and I are severed from the vine. Who's the vine? Say it. Who's the vine? Jesus is the vine. What are you? Say, I am a branch. So you and I are powerless then to do anything. We can't raise money for Burundi. We can't make a difference in Burundi. We can't make a difference in our neighborhood. And we got 
we have people who sign up to serve and they serve and they come to kids club and they serve in Sunday school and they serve in ladies ministry and they serve in the parking lot. They serve all over the place. But look at this, folks. We're not going to be productive in these roles unless we are personally connected to the vine. Are we understanding that today? What is the church? It's a collection of branches that are connected to the vine. A church whose people are not connected to Christ, having a daily walk with God, is a church that's one step away from losing its life altogether. And hence, we see churches closing all over the place. A church that is not connected to the vine will close, will close its doors. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do absolutely nothing. So I'm going to tell you this this morning. Remaining in Christ is the, is, the, is the key to church growth. You know there's a whole industry out there, a church growth industry, where pastors go to these conferences to learn how to grow their church. And that's like, that's interesting, because Jesus said, I will build my church. Hey, I can, I, could, I, could, I could go to those conferences and bring back those techniques, and we could grow our church, but I'm going to tell you, it's, is that what Jesus wants? My job is to build disciples, not to build a church. That's, building a church is Jesus' job. My job is to build disciples, is to teach you how to be connected to Christ. And I can tell you this, folks. This may come as a big shock. There's a lot of people going to church today who are not Christians. There's a lot of people going to church who are not converted. To Pastor Allen, how could you say that? Well, Jesus said that, didn't he? In fact, he looked, at the, he looked at the religious leaders of his days and he said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You're a brood of snakes. You know the Bible inside out. You can quote it. But you are so far from God. I wonder this morning where you're at. I wonder this morning if as a branch you are fully connected to Christ. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk just in a moment what it means to be connected to Christ. We're going to talk about that fruit that comes from a life that is completely connected to Christ. But I'm going to tell you, remaining in, the Christ, remaining in Christ is the key to church growth. It's the key to missional growth, making a difference around the world. It's the key to personal growth. It's the key to growth in your marriage and your family. Hey, mom and dad. You want to, the best thing you can do for your kids is teach them how to have a relationship with Christ. And it begins by modeling it to them. Hey, a lot of kids grow up in church. And they grow up with parents that don't model the faith to them. And they think, man, what a sham. I, I want no part of that. And some of you here today experience that. I'm telling you this morning, if you want to see... God work in your life, if you want to begin to see the miracles take place in your life, then you as a branch have got to stay connected to Christ. Isn't that exactly what Jesus said? He said, if you stay connected to me, then whatever you ask for in my name, you will receive it. This is for the the glory of God. There's a lot of people this morning that I think want to see a revival. But the problem is, is you're waiting for me to do something. You're the pastor. You do something. You make it happen. You're waiting for maybe the Benny Hinn to come to town. That'll do the trick. 
And if not Benny Hinn, maybe Kenneth Copeland. If he could come to town and just work his magic, well, we, we have a real revival on our hands. How many know that revival comes from Christ and not from people? What a dangerous, dangerous idea, dangerous teaching. I heard of people traveling to different parts of the country in order to bring revival back to their church as if it was a commodity that they could purchase. I want to tell you something. You want a revival? You want to see a move of God in your family? You want to see your family turn around? You want to see your family serving Jesus? It begins with you. Plug into Jesus. Start having a daily walk with God. Start praying. Start reading your Bible every day. Start experiencing the glorious presence of Christ on a daily basis and watch what will happen in your marriage. You having marriage problems? You think, you know, if I could get a better husband, I would be a wonderful wife. Oh, if I could just be, if I could get new kids, I'd be a wonderful parent. You see, it's always somebody else's fault. Your marriage problems, of course, are not my fault. I'm a good wife. I'm a good husband. It's my spouse. What a loser. I'm the best parent around. I provide for my kids. I, I nag them faithfully because that's what kids like. You want to have a wonderful family? You want to have a wonderful marriage? Plug into Jesus and watch what God will do. Allow the Spirit of God to work in you and watch what God will do. If I could just change him, if I could just change her, if I could just make her into the, the image of what I want her to be. How about letting Jesus work on him or on her? In the meantime, you work on yourself. The more time you let God work in you. Wow. I'm a branch. You're a branch. And I'm going to tell you where there's a lack of spiritual growth and fervor, you're going to find branch rot. People who haven't prayed or read their Bible for days, haven't gone to church, kind of interested, but not really interested. What do we call people who act like Christians? What do we call people who are acting or pretending or going through the motions? We call them? <laughs> oh, thank you, Ray. You got all the answers over there. Okay. Next week, Ray's going to preach. <laughs> That's right, we call them hypocrites. I mean, that's the Greek word. The Greek word uh, for acting is it's where we get the word hypocrite. Jesus tells us what it looks like when a person is remaining in Christ. And James echoes the teachings of Christ. Look what he says here in James 3.17. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. Can we just stop there for a moment? Because a lot of people think Christianity is detrimental to our culture. It's detrimental to our society. It hurts all, all of the minorities, and they, they go around destroying cultures by introducing Christianity. Hey, you know what? If we're talking about just pure religion, just, just religion, just, just sort of, when I say pure, I don't mean pure religion as in religion that actually does what Jesus says. I'm talking about just about being religious then, yeah, we have a, I have a problem with that as well. But the, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, the wisdom from God, the wisdom uh, that, that guides us in how to interact with our culture and make culture a better place, 
James says it's, first of all, pure. And what does he mean by that? Well, he says it's peace-loving, gentle at all times. And by the way, what is he doing now? He's not describing churches. He's describing individuals in the church. He's describing what a good branch looks like. James 3.17, mark that in your Bible. And by the way, this is, this is, a, 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 this is my translation from the Greek. So you might not find this wording exactly in your Bible. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to put others first. Hey, what a difference that would make in your family if everybody start putting others first. No, you have the last piece of cake. No, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> no, 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 you have the last piece of cake. Hey, I'll take out the garbage. No, let me take it out. Here, I'll unload the dishwasher. No, I'll do it. In fact, I'll unload the dishwasher and I'll load it. Can you imagine if those are the fights you're having at your house? Pastor, I got a problem. My kids are fighting over who gets to do the chores. I've never had a call like that yet. (laughs) Thomas, it's true. This wisdom from heaven, look at this, is bulging. In your Bible, it'll say full, but actually the Greek word is bulging with mercy. And look at this, and the fruit of good deeds. That's what a good branch is. Don't you love that, that picture? And I don't know about you, but I, right now I got pictures of these massive grapes just, just so heavy that they got to they hold it up with sticks because it's going to collapse to the ground. It's so bulging with fruit. And look at this, and it shows no favoritism and is... You say, Pastor Allen, I don't think that's a word. Well, you're right. That's why it's not your Bible. But in the Greek, that's exactly what it is. It's unhypocritical. Unhypocritus. Unhypocritical. So I've given you a new word. You can use it if you like. So you're not acting. You're not pretending. You're not putting it on. The fruit that is in your life comes directly from being connected to Jesus Christ. Does this make sense this morning? And if you're not connected to Jesus Christ, you're not going to produce this fruit. Now, I hear people say this all the time. You know, I'm, I'm really trying to work on the fruit of the Spirit. I, I've got love down pretty good. Joy, it's a little bit, but, but when it comes to gentleness, I'm good at that. Self-control, not too great at, but hey, I'm, I really got the, uh, the faithfulness thing going. Hey, can I just remind everybody of something? You can't work on the fruit. Did you get what I'm saying here? You don't have the ability to produce any of the fruit. I remember the first church I was at, a pastor's wife was doing a a whole series on the fruit of the Spirit, and every week she would discuss a a new piece of fruit. (laughs) Today we're talking about love, and then the next week we're talking about joy, next week we're talking about patience. That that is just a foreign idea to Scripture. This is more like Greek philosophy. I'm going to start working on this now and start getting better at that now. You don't have the ability to produce or to manufacture any fruit on your own. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. What Jesus is saying is that it is through him that you produce fruit. 
And not just bits and pieces. It's all of it. It's a package deal. Could you imagine if grapes grew one at a time? That'd be like the weirdest vine ever. How's a grape grape crop come along? Well, they're coming along one at a time. This is weird. Everything's produced at the same time. And it comes from Christ. It's not something that you can manufacture in your own strength and according to your own ability. So if you're going to be loving, joyful, peaceful, patience, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-controlled, this comes from Jesus. It doesn't come from you or your ability. You want to produce the fruit that Christ wants, then you have to stay connected to him because he's the one that produces it in you and through you. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So, so Pastor John, what you're saying then is I don't have to worry about producing that fruit? No. Well, then what am I supposed to be doing? Daily walk with God. Pray and read your Bible. Stay connected to him. Stay surrendered to him. Just stay obedient to him and watch what will happen. You will start producing the fruit that God wants. And I'm telling you, if everybody in Cross Church starts living like this, we are going to have a revival breakout in our midst. Now clap. You can clap now, yes. Because this is what it means to be a Christian. We say, well, Pastor Allen, that's, that's good to know. That's really good to know. It is good to know, and I'll tell you why. Because people are going to come along and say to you, you know, Christians have done nothing and damaged the world. Look what's happened in the, in the residential schools. Can I tell you something? Does anybody really believe that those were Christians that did that? It was done in the name of Christ. It was done in the name of the church. These are not Christians. Priests abusing children. Is that, is that really? Is that Christian? It's nothing to do with Jesus. This is a fruit of Satan. This is, these are people who are abiding not in Christ, but ab- abiding in Satan. Let's, let's be clear about this. The next time somebody attacks you for your faith, then you just know you got an answer. You say, well, hold on a minute. These are not Christians. Does anybody remember when, when Ireland was divided, fighting each other, the civil war in Ireland? Anybody remember that? Who was it against? It was Protestants versus... And the world looks on and says, see, I told you this is baloney. And I'd say, you're right, it is baloney. This has nothing to do with Jesus. Could you see Jesus taken aside? Come on, guys, get your rifles. Let's kill those buggers. Let's get them. This has nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing to do with Christ at all. Let's be clear about that. Jesus produces in us the fruit of righteousness, of good deeds, bulging with mercy, putting others first, peace-loving, gentle at all times. Does that describe you? Because you can't produce that on your own. I'm just telling you. You need to be connected as a branch. You need to be connected to Christ. And Jesus, man, he attacked those Pharisees. He was unrelenting. In fact, some people would say, Jesus, you're awfully hard on these guys. But Jesus knew who their father was. And it wasn't the father in heaven. It was Satan. In fact, that's what he says. He calls, he, he says, your father, the father of darkness, the father of lies, Let's be clear about that, people. Let's be clear about that. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. If you are not abiding in Christ, if you are not connected to Christ, if you are not producing fruit 
from Christ? I'm going to tell you, you are this close to becoming a very, the very tool of Satan himself. And I'm going to tell you something, people. I've been a pastor now for 35 years, as you know. And I have seen people in the church that allow Satan to take control of their life. And they say things and do things that are evil beyond belief. And they don't even know it. So I'm telling you today, you need to abide in Christ. You need to remain in Christ. You need to stay connected to him. You need to hear his voice. Somebody sent me a a thing about Lent this past week. How many know that Ash Wednesday just, it just started this this past Wednesday. Is that right? Am I right, everybody? Okay, so the reason I don't know is because I don't care. You say, Pastor Allen, don't you believe in Lent? Well, let me ask you a question before I answer your question. You answer my question. Where in the Bible do you find Lent? You say, oh, well. A tradition. Where, where is that in the scripture? It's not in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is always a shadow of what's to come in the New Testament. There's a reason we don't, we, as, we here at Cross Church don't celebrate Lent because it's not, first of all, it's not biblically mandated. There's only two things that we celebrate, and it's what Jesus told us to celebrate, and that is communion and baptism. Those are the only sacraments. He's about past showing, well, what about, what, don't you think it's good to once in a while get, get focused on Christ? Ah, there's your problem, once in a while. On CNN on Wednesday, I like to see what's happening in the world. One of the announcers has a great big gray cross on his forehead. Chris Como is his name. He obviously been to church that morning. And the priest put the ash cross on his forehead. Now, he's, here's, here's what's wrong with Lent, in case you're wondering. First of all, it's not in Scripture. And secondly, it's what we call a form of godliness. It's a form. It's not the real thing. Your Christianity, my friends, is something that happens in your heart, not externally. And the problem with this approach to Christianity, this approach to religion is that you've externalized it. So I just go through, I just check the, do the checklist thing, and it's, and it's done. That's not Christianity. That's not what Jesus is talking about when he talks about remaining in Christ. It means your heart needs to stay connected to the heart of God. It's internal. It's an inside job. It's not an outside job. And that's the problem with Lent. I can actually go through all these motions and believe I've got it all together. I've got my head crossed. I'm just doing everything that the priest tells me to do. This This is not biblical. This is not Christian. This is not what Christ called for. Christ called for a relationship with God. The problem with so many Christians is that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power therein. And so God has called us to stay connected to Christ. I said last week, you need to pray and read your Bible every day, and in that way you will stay connected to Christ. And by the way, not mechanically, because that can be just as deadly as this external kind of Christianity. 
It's a sitting down and reading the scripture and letting the spirit of God speak to you. This is why I said to to Sarah before she ever left home, you, you heard me say this last week, you take a ruler and you take a pen and you underline those verses that speak to your heart. You want to let God speak to you. And then you need to pray and pour out your heart to God. This is inside. It's private. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. Don't let everybody know what you're doing. In fact, Jesus says those who let everybody know what they're doing are hypocrites. That's what he says. Don't be like the hypocrites who like to give their money in public. I'm going to tell my, my, you heard me tell this before. My grandma came to church first time ever. When it came time for offerings, she pulled out her $5 bill, waved it in the air, and put it in the offering plate. I mean, I, I, thought, it was just, I, was, I thought it was so funny. It was so funny. But that's, that's a form of religion, a form of relig- religiosity. This is why Jesus, when you give, don't let anybody know about it. When you pray, don't let anybody know you're doing it. Go to your prayer closet. Just do that privately. It's between you and God. It's an inside job. Stay connected to the vine because we're not religious. We're in relationship with Almighty God. You see that? It's powerful stuff. So, you know, if if someone should come along to me and say, Pastor Allen, I'm going to give you, I'm going to grant you three wishes. And the three wishes have to do with ministry and being a pastor. What, what would I wish for? I would wish that absolutely everybody who's in my congregation would have a daily walk with God. That's, that would be my first wish. My second wish is that absolutely everybody who calls us home would come to church every Sunday without, without fail. Come to hear the word of God. And the third thing I would ask for is that everyone be connected to other believers in a small group. Why is that? Because here's what I know, is that when you remain in Christ, when you are connected to Christ, that's when you are going to produce great fruit. And that's when your marriage is going to be great. That's when your family life is going to be great. That's when your relationship with all the people in your life is going to be great. You say, Pastor Allen, you could have, you had three wishes. You could have asked for millions of dollars. Millions of dollars doesn't do anything. But here's what I do know, is that when people are connected to Christ, then they give lavishly to the work of God. Did you get that? You said, Pastor Allen, you didn't say anything about the poor and the hungry. Hey, when people are connected to Christ, they give to the poor and the hungry. What about missions, Pastor Allen? You didn't mention missions. Here's what I know. When people are connected to Christ, they give to missions, they go on missions, they, they win the lost, they, they tell people about Jesus. What about healthy family and families and marriages, Pastor? Isn't that a great need? Of course it is. But here's what I know. When a husband and a wife are connected to Jesus, they got an awesome marriage. And when children are connected to God, then they're going to be awesome kids. But if those kids don't have it modeled to them by godly parents, by parents who understand the purpose or the the understand the uh, the importance of making sure their kids never miss church. Those kids are going to drift. I promise you that. You see what I'm saying? It's a branch problem that we have. The branches have got to remain in Christ. <sighs> Proverbs declare, hey, does anybody know what's going on with, with our prime minister and 
and the scandals there. I heard someone say, righteousness exalts a nation. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. When everybody in a nation loves Jesus and serves God, that's where righteousness comes from. If you think righteousness comes from a prime minister, you totally don't get it at all. How many know that President Trump is not going to usher in a great righteousness even though he gets most Christians' votes? It comes from Jesus. It comes from people who are connected to the vine. Do we understand that today? As branches, we remain in Christ, and that's when we begin to see branches bulging with mercy and the fruit of good deeds. So the question is this, are you connected? Wow, you know what? Our country, Canada, North America, the West, was a country that was very much guided by Judeo-Christian values, very much so. And many, many people did have a great and strong walk with God. Well, we, we've become too sophisticated for that. We are now postmodern. We're post-Christian. We don't need it. But I can tell you, we are right now enjoying the fruit of a nation that love God and serve God. And when I, by nation, I mean individuals who love God and serve God. And that's why people are coming from other countries and they want to live in our country because they understand that we've got something good here. The problem is those of us who live here don't know what we've got. We don't understand it. And what we have here, folks, what we're enjoying, and it's coming to an end now, we're enjoying the fruit of godliness, the godliness of our grandparents and our great-grandparents. It's time for us to examine our life and see where we stand. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we freely admit today that we have a branch problem. And before we look at others, we want to just look at ourselves because it's so easy to see the problems in other people. In fact, the problems in other people is, is glaring. And we're so good at fixing other people, but we don't see the problem in ourselves. Father, we pray right now that we could be the kind of people that James talks about, a people who have a wisdom from above that's peace-loving and gentle at all times and willing to put others first, bulging with mercy and the fruit of good deeds, not showing favoritism and unhypocritical. Father, forgive us for acting, for pretending. Forgive us for going through the motions. Help us, we pray, O God, to devote ourselves to a daily walk with you. And God, we pray that as husbands and wives, we would help each other and remind each other and encourage and challenge one another and hold each other accountable, that we would do the same for our kids and that the kids would feel free to do that for their parents, that we as brothers and sisters could hold each other accountable. Because God, if we don't remain in Christ, we're dead. We're dead. And we want to be alive. We want to be revived. We want revival in our midst. So we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Tell the person beside you, go pray and read your Bible. <laughs>